Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty, and I'm here at RMIT University in Melbourne, and I'm presenting Talking Design. And I'm here with an architect called Peter Malat, who's very well known in Melbourne, particularly his practice called Six Degrees. Now, for those who don't know about Six Degrees, they started using recycled materials many, many years ago before it was fashionable. And now it's almost everyone's throwing in something that's old and battered and beaten up. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you, Stephen. How do you feel when you see all these people throwing odds and sods at jobs just to give it that worn look? Well, in a way, I think it's a victory for um, people like us who have who have championed the cause of um, reused materials for a long time because what part of our intention with using those materials is to get a feeling of warmth and texture into the project and sometimes a feeling that things have a past life or a memory which can inform people's feelings of perhaps sort of happiness in a space. So I think if larger firms or or more perhaps conventional clients can embrace those feelings, I think that's that's a good thing. Peter, when did you start using... First thing, when was the um, practice founded? Well, funnily enough, um, we've done some research on that and we believe it's our 20th year, which might surprise some people because they still feel that we're quite a young firm, but we're mm. actually, I guess, a firm that's moving into its middle period. Right. And, um, you know, it's it's a time that we're using to consolidate what we are and what we stand for. Mm. But those early projects, I suppose, that used that recycling methodology were so this particularly... Would have, this would have been in the early 90s. 1992, yeah. I think, was our founding year. And I think that the main project that people look towards is Myers Place Bar, which was in 1994. And uh, in that project, we almost exclusively used recycled materials, even though they were represented in a new way, in, in a way which was quite modern in its composition. The materiality of it was very much, you know, found object. Was that something, Peter, that was driven by the client or was something that you felt uh, lent itself to the space? Well, in, the, in those days, it was about cost. That was a self-driven project. So we had, I think... $30,000 cash to build that job mm. and the rest of it was just labour and found. So we managed to spend most of the money on the necessities and most of the architecture came from found materials so that there was a minimum outlay on materials. But there was also a philosophy there of um, there was a lot of throwing out going on at that stage with mm. places being stripped out in the city to be refitted, mm. a lot of them for residential uses as the mm. 1960s and 1970s offices and and institutional functions degraded, they were being those areas, those buildings, large mm. buildings were being stripped out and refitted for residential. So you, were, you just became a collector? Oh, there were piles of beautiful materials being thrown into rubbish skips. Mm -hmm. Piles. African walnut, beautiful timber veneers, stainless steel trims, the whole lot was just being trashed. Peter, what was the reaction to the bar when it was finished? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I think that Melbourne mm. embraced it for a number of reasons. Um, one of them was that it was one of the first projects in a little back lane. The other one was that it was one of the first bar projects that was really designed around people interacting with each other mm -hmm. properly on a conversational level rather than mm -hmm. with the backbeat of a band or with uh, with a DJ. Mm -hmm. So it was really about a conversation pit, a European-style mm -hmm. or Japanese-style conversation bar. And the third reason was that it had that warmth and friendliness in the materials, things that people mm -hmm. could you know connect with timber veneers and mm. carpet and... Peter, 
Six Degrees has been fairly uh, constant in that theme of recycling. And, I mean, if you look at some of the hotels that you've done recently, like the New Market mm -hmm. in St Kilda, there's still that lovely layering of materials. So it's something that you haven't really left. You've just developed and probably got cheekier over time. From memory, there's quite a lot happening in places like the New Market in terms of, you know, in your face, having fun, carpet on the ceiling. I think there was, from memory, tartan carpet on the ceiling. So it was really throw it out there. And it's almost throwing caution to the wind. Is it something that, as you get older and more mature as a practice, that you just get that confidence to be more adventurous? Well... Or you think clients are just more adventurous now? The cl there, there is a degree of trust with that client. That client's a is, is a client we've done several jobs for, and the jobs aren't the same by any means. There are differences in each of the jobs for different focused markets and different sites. I mean, we are interested in a sense of place. There's no doubt about that. So all of those materials have a, just a little bit of an idea about what that place is going to be about or what it has been in the past. So and, give me an example with the new market. What was that about? Well, I think it's a good example you bring up with the tartan carpet because the tartan carpet, I guess, is evocative of that um, old school St Kilda pub scene where taste was not really something that was important. Good taste was never mm. important. The materials had a sort of worn, slightly English feel to them, but an eclectic feel to them. And I guess the other thing in that particular fit-out is there's a series of concrete archways. And, I mean, I guess from my point of view, there's an interest in sort of high culture and low culture. There's the low culture side of the street in St Kilda, and the street in St Kilda, you know, it's got all of that rock and roll history. It's got the immigrant scene way back, but then in our era, the rock and roll and sort of the drug taking and prostitution history has that sort of low culture ebb to it. But at the, on the other hand, there's a high culture side, which is about sort of patent book architecture and, you know, using Moorish themes. And in that case, the, the pattern that we've used there in that concrete archway is a Renaissance theme. Mm. Now, that's not particularly recognisable, except to someone who's actually looked at a book on Renaissance architecture. Right. It, to, to most people, it just looks like an interesting arcade of some type. But there is a sort of you know, reasonably formal thematic there, mm. as you, well as... Peter, you also, you discovered in that job from memory, you, you discovered wallpapers from yes. the past and yes. that was quite a discovery and you reproduced those for the interior. Yes, well, the, the, the hotel before we basically stripped it out for the refit was known as, in the trade, a schnitz and tits pub. So Better the, explain. A Gordon. schnitz and tits pub is a place where you go for... A Friday lunch and there are barmaids who are not wearing all of their clothes. Uh -huh. So as part of the strip out of the hotel there, we did uncover some wallpapers which were sort of old, I think they were old Playboy sort of make, uh, cartoons on the wallpaper. So from the 60s? Something from the 60s or possibly the 70s. Mm. But they're sort of, at the time they would have been very risque, but I mean mm. now they look quite cute and mm. quite, well... Harmless. Quite harmless, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not not—they're not in any way lewd, they're yeah. just naughty. So we, we only managed to save a fragment of it, but that fragment we were able to reproduce and expand into a big enough sheet that could be reproduced and, and then re 
used as a wallpaper motif. And it's only, but it's only used in a very small area. So It is interesting, Peter, because I think the whole firm at Six Degrees, it's very much about undis- discovering the past and mm. working with the past rather than just coming in and doing what you consider your creation or dream vision or whatever you call it. So it is about working with what you have and working a bit like a, you know, fossicking and an archaeologist and, and going back to see what's the history of the place before you go forward. Oh, there's, no, there's no doubt that any building that you go into for a refurbishment project has a storehouse of memories and ideas already in it. So we're the first people to just pull back to the original structure but to keep any decorative remnants that you can mm. and keep hold of them and try and give them a further life in the project. Okay, now I'm looking at um, an office renovation uh, that is almost a new office that uh, you did for uh, Swiss yes. in Collingwood. Quite Swiss a, vitamins. Swiss vitamins that you um, you did. And you literally gutted the whole building and, and reworked it to focus on this interior courtyard. Wouldn't it have been easy just to pull the whole thing down and start again? Because it's well, quite a complex design. Yes, it would have, and, the, and the design's reasonably complex, but at the same time there's an existing warehouse at the back that had to remain in operation, so yeah. there was a certain amount of the building had to be kept. And there was also, it was also a reasonably cost-effective solution because all of the existing structure was retained. Steel beams. Steel beams, the roof beams, the walls, and the main mm. floor slab was retained. So we probably saved at least 30 or 40% on just mm. doing a knock-it-down-and-rebuild. So there was a certain amount of economy involved and a certain amount of ease of gaining a town planning permit because mm-hmm. so, that's always a difficult area in the city of Yarra. So any kind of building retention does smooth the, the building permit So you process. start with an existing envelope. Yeah, yeah. And although the floor area is increased, the footprint's not increased. So the main, the main focus of that job, as you said, was this internal courtyard, which is planted out with a very nice garden by... I Love Your Garden, a guy called Matt Ducks. Mm-hmm. And the, so the whole focus of the office, instead of being what was a very internalised, poorly ventilated, poorly lit space, mm-hmm. becomes a very open, well-lit, naturally mm-hmm. ventilated, all of, basically the opposite of everything that it was. And it's about fitting with the values of that client who's into healthy lifestyle. The other thing that uh, Matt did, which was yes. was quite clever, he, he planted a lot of the trees that are actually in the ingredients for Swiss tablets. Yes, well, Which I, mean, was I didn't know that. but So that was quite a, a nice, nice connection. Yeah. And so people can actually go out and pick the ingredients as well as experiencing, you know, as well as selling the product as well. Yeah, look, I think that that whole job has a, has a slight, slightly reminiscent to me of some of the early modernists' work, even back to the early Meese courtyard houses, mm-hmm. flowing through into the 50s, you know, the, the pattern book houses in California and even perhaps some of the work of Robin Boyd and Roy Grounds, there's that idea that you don't have to build an iconic object. You can actually make a great experience around a garden. And it's more about the garden than the actual building. How, when I'm looking at these images, how, how has the office changed in recent times? And how does this illustrate some of the changes that we're moving into? Well, Six Degrees as an office has always been a collaborative practice. We're not I guess, um, a conventional firm. But the design of this actual space, how people use the space. Oh, the office itself. Yeah. Oh, I th- I, the Swiss office, I think, is, um, well, they're absolutely wrapped with it. 
because it's just the complete opposite of what they were used to. They were used to something that was so dark and so separated from the outside world, and now they've got something that's all about the outside yeah. world and greenery, sunlight, fresh air, all of the things that you associate and with a healthy lifestyle. And cross-ventilation. Yeah. The, um, the other thing I'm looking at, um, Peter, is a new development that you put into the awards this year. Yes. Um, a housing development in Brunswick. Yes. So that's quite an interesting project. Yes. How did that start? Well, it's a quite a long um, story, but that project started, I think, seven years ago, where council was interested in um, opening to greater use a block of land which had been in um, basically disuse for about five or I think perhaps even more than five years and its former use had been a nursery but its use before that had been a tip Mm -hmm. so the tip had to be rehabilitated before anything could be done with the site at all so James Legg in our office managed the project along with two other partners uh, a soil decontamination expert and a builder and the whole process was a very long one of decontaminating the site obtaining EPA approvals and the town planning approval to put these this 10-unit development on. But along with the 10-unit development, there's a quite a large proportion of the land. I think it's about a 40-60 ratio. Mm-hmm. About 60% of the land is set aside for public purposes. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a local park, a local pocket park, and it's been very successful. Um, Peter, how do, these, how do these townhouses differ from other townhouses? Well, they Apart differ... Apart from being on this site... I think that the main difference you'll find with these houses is that they're very much oriented towards family living, and that's probably a model that's not common in Mel- in certainly this part of in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. It might be a little bit more common mm. in some of the southern southern suburbs, but they're very much designed to be perfectly adequate for a you know a five or six person family they've got three to three and a half bedrooms mm. they've got open space north facing they've got um, good large living areas and they've got separate um, living zones so you can have parent retreat and or a children's area was <coughs> sorry peter um was that a market that you targeted or you identify or was it the developer who said look there's a, a niche or there's an opening for that type of development in this area well i think it some of the impetus came from James himself, who owns one of the apartments, and he attracted quite a number of acquaintances of his to join into the development mm-hmm. because they've got the same kinds of needs. They want to be in the inner suburbs. They don't necessarily want a large Californian bungalow. They're quite happy in a smaller dwelling. And there's now quite a number of families of a similar age group mm-hmm. with multiple young children and share similar values obviously absolutely and share their babysitting share their share lots of things i think i think it's turned out to be an extremely beneficial thing for everyone involved because of that because they are sort of at the same stage of life and it's very helpful to have people around that are did the individual um, owners get involved in the design or they were presented with it or they bought after it was finished I think most of them bought in after it was completed, but they had a series of options which they could choose to take up or not take up. There were different joinery packages. There was a roof deck, which was optional. There was, uh, I think, some environmental aspects were optional, like um, solar cells on the roof. And they had choices as to which which of those they would um, take up. Right. The, um, The other thing I'm looking at is... 
this amazing house that you've done in central Victoria. Quite different uh, from your normal um, or from your usual signature. Um, there's not a lot of recyc recycled materials. It's limestone. Limestone or sandstone? No, it's actually it's actually a stabilised earth. Oh, surprisingly. So ra like a rammed earth. It's like a rammed earth, yeah. Rammed earth, steel and glass. Yes. And very mesian, very fine. And um, when I saw the images, I thought, oh, this isn't six degrees. How difficult is it for someone like yourself to step outside your usual approach and say, well, look, this is something that the client wants. Um, it's quite different from what I'm normally doing. How, do, how flexible can you be? Well, there are two, two things. There is a different aesthetic to it, but it's not, it's not extraordinarily different from what we do with our more detailed work or our more, if you like, interior work or, or, or the more flavoured work. This is basically a stripped-back version of that. So the same ingredients are still there. The rectilinear planning is still there. The horizontal planars are still there. And... To a certain extent, the materiality is still there, the respect for a natural material. So the client in this case was, did have um, certain aesthetic um, preferences, mm -hmm. if you like. And there were, there were a couple of occasions where um, we did look at some richer materials or some more interactions, if mm -hmm. you like, spatially. But he was quite interested in just keeping it quite planar. Yeah. And we were happy with that because it's a different kind of... It's in the country. It's a house in the country. There's a different set of parameters to, yeah. you know, a bar in the middle of Little yeah, Collins Street. It's quite Street. peaceful. And it's quite peaceful. And it's quite almost serene. recessive to the landscape. Yeah. But it's still about how that building interacts with the outside. So there's still a lot of the design is actually about how it forms courtyards or how um, the inside relates to the outside. Mm -hmm. So I think there are still... It's still... In a way, it's the same message. It's just a different site, yeah. a different sense of place, and obviously a different client. A little bit of it. Yeah. There is some client factor there. Um, Peter, how do you tend to start a process when you're designing? Is it is it just through a series of discussions? Is it something that you you can just sense that someone's interested in a certain direction, or is it just the context? I mean, how do you tend to start a project? Well, I think any project really has to start with where the sun's going to come from. You know, if you don't start with the sun and shelter and the climate, then you're not really designing properly as an architect, I don't believe. Mm -hmm. So in any in any job, whether it's a small fit-out job, a cafe mm -hmm. or a house, you have to start with where the sun's going to be. You know, most you'll find most successful cafes are on... The northern side. No, they're actually yeah. on often the western side of a, of a north-south street because oh. that's the side that catches the morning sun. Mm -hmm. So usually it's the north, it's the corner of the intersection with the northeast aspect that has the most beneficial sun aspect for Melbourne. Right. So and if it doesn't have that aspect, then you you have you, to work with it. You have to work with it that's and orientate right. it and, to un catch and understand that. that. Yeah. So I, I think that working. From first principles is something that six degrees holds very dear. We don't particularly believe in 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 some sort of abstract, rarefied approach to how the building is going to be formulated. We we work from the site, we work from the client and their needs, and we work from the climate. Um, Peter, what do you find generally is the most challenging thing facing architects at present? 
I mean, it's a hard one, but what do you think is going to be... What are some of the issues that you think architects are going to be facing in the next five to ten years? Well, I mean, I'm actually deeply optimistic about architecture. You know, I think that, I think that for a long, long time we've been under cost pressure and that's probably not going to change. It's a competitive industry and there's a lot of architects around and we'll always have to justify what we provide. But I think more and more people are looking for clever design solutions and not for generic solutions. So and for a point of difference. I think so, yeah, across all spectra. So we're not talking about just fancy houses anymore, which we don't generally do. You do the occasional one. Yeah, the occasional one. But um, certainly in commercial in, in commercial hospitality work, it's been prevalent for a long time. But I think increasingly it's prevalent in office design, and I think increasingly it's prevalent in health design. People are actually looking for design quality, for clever ideas, for humanity in the design, not a sort of regular regular standard approach that they've seen everywhere else. And I suppose they want that element of surprise. That's right. And you only get that if you're really trying. What do you think, from your experience, is the most challenging thing that always raises its head every time you're designing? Is it the budget is just getting smaller and smaller or that people's expectations are higher or that you've built a name and so, you know, the pressure's on to produce the next winning design? Or don't you think in those terms? Um, I don't think we think in those terms. I mean, all jobs have difficult things and easy things. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's it's a hard question to answer. What's what's the thing that always... Stumps you. Stumps us. Yeah. Well, we try not to get stumped. We try to yeah. move quickly through these problems. There are there are always hold-ups, but, I mean, there's the old bugbears of town planning and sometimes you get project managers that aren't that helpful. But, I mean, these are just gripes. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're effective life, those things, and we just have to work Deal through with them. them. Yeah. And finally, Peter, what gives you the most pleasure about what you do as an architect? Is it actually seeing the finished result? Is it seeing... People fill the cafes, whether it's the public bar in Richmond or there. Well, what what excites you about the work that you do? Six Degrees is, I think, known and respected for its ability to create great places that people enjoy being in. And I think it really is very fulfilling to see people using the buildings and enjoying being in them and, we hope, loving those buildings. And, and we s- think that that can give the building a longer life. And you certainly know when it hasn't been achieved, when people aren't using a space or when there's blank That's areas right. in a building, you obviously have to fine-tune it. Fine-tune it. And that does happen in some of our commercial work and some of our institutional work. We'll do a bit of fine-tuning six months down the track. Mm. And it's really about getting the most value for the client and getting the most enjoyment for the people who use the building. And Lastly, even though I said the other one was lastly, um, do you think the media's helped people ex- understand design? Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt that the proliferation of design magazines and design shows on television, it all helps our industry in raising the profile to a point where people actually... Understand a, the concept. Understand. Even at the, even at the, I don't know, those reno- home renovation shows... Yes, the basic, yeah, the basic That's a basic level, but it's still a basic level of people actually not wanting what they're given by by a a sort of cookie-cutter house crew, Mm. you know, like a a, a mass housing provider. They're looking for something different. Now, often that's a banal solution, but it still shows that people are interested in difference. 
Yes. And that's diversity. Yeah. All diversity is to be encouraged. Excited, yeah. yeah. Look, Peter, thank you so much for coming in today. Um, I'm sorry you got wet. It's raining outside and, and you're kind of just drying off. But look, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure interviewing you and uh, look forward to seeing more of your projects. Thanks for asking us, Stephen.